What's going on, everyone? I'm Harry Potvin, and welcome back to another episode of the H Panel, the show where we bring on guests from all different backgrounds to talk mental health. Today, I have the pleasure of being joined by my friend Jordy Burrell. Simply put, Jordy is a formal football player turned actor, turned music producer, turned Black Lives Matter activist, and of course, the amazing talent behind my intros and outros to all these videos. I'm very excited about the conversation we're going to have today. Jordy, thank you so much for joining me. Harry, thank you for having me, and thank you for such a warm and welcoming intro. Uh, I, uh, I definitely made myself sound more important than I am in my little things that I've done, but I'm ready to go. Thanks for having me, buddy. Yeah, let's do it. Before we get started, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, what made you choose football, music, acting, etc.? So, uh, I was born in the States. I was born in Cleveland, Ohio. That's kind of where the story starts. Uh, born there. Uh, came to Canada when I was like a few months old, so I don't, don't have much uh, experience being in the States, but it is still home to me. Some things that I uh, started noticing growing up is I was a little bit bigger than most kids my size. Um, so right away in my ear, I got from just about everyone that I needed to be on the football field. So but one thing turned to another, you end up on a football field once you once so many people tell you the same thing so many times. Uh, you start to listen. So I uh, played football for a long time. Uh, for the Cambridge Lions, represent. Hope some of them are watching. Shout out. Nice. Um, won a few championships there. Committed to Western to go play some football there. One thing kind of turned into another with injuries and whatnot, and uh, kind of had to take a walk on football, but was acting at the same time. Just kind of let the uh, the not the responsibilities, my priorities, do a little flip from football to uh, acting. Uh, did a few years of that. Came to Guelph to act, realized I hated school. Uh, that's that's a reality for a lot of people, and yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. Um, hated school, and I hated being told things. I wanted to be my own boss, and being an actor, you're constantly being told by a producer or a director what to do. I started to think, well, maybe do I want to direct, and do I want to start doing something along the lines of that in acting? Uh, but then I thought there's a lot of people that are similar to me that don't like direction as well. Um, so. I thought, what's what's the main job that I could be entirely my own boss? And uh, what I came to with that is uh, becoming a musical producer. So now I produce for amazing people like yourself and uh, other rappers around uh, around the local area, Cambridge and whatnot. And I'm uh, hoping to expand and continue to do that and kind of see where I end up. Awesome. Yeah, that's a big thing too, like finding something after you've kind of either retired from a passion or like ended something you like in your case with an injury like so abruptly it's so important to find something else to occupy your time or else you're going to go in like a downward spiral quick and i'm i'm sure you can kind of speak on that i know this is one of your first or is it your first year being away from swimming first year yeah so i know exactly that feeling uh it kind of you feel a little bit empty there's a lot of time you don't know what to do with it's it's strange going from i'm sure you can understand that a university level of swimming uh, you get a lot of attention, and as as horrible as it seems, uh, we all like attention. So when you go from playing at a high level of anything to trying to kind of figure your way out in another field that you might not be as familiar with, it's very overwhelming. And uh, there's a lot of a lot of struggles that came with it for me. Like I slipped into some serious episodes of depression and just trying to find my way because. For so long, the only thing I cared about and the only thing I knew was football, football, football. Yeah. But as you said, if it's taken away from you abruptly or as your career ends, there's still that part of you that isn't 
done with it. There's a huge part of me that still wishes I was playing football. And I'm sure there's a massive part of you that still wishes you were swimming. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that's that was kind of my thing. And I think the, the main thing, I'm probably getting ahead of myself here, but a big thing I learned is how to take one grind and apply it to another. Uh, you're you're going to find that out. I found that out myself. We have made it so far athletically that we can channel that same drive and energy into realistically anything we want, as artificial as it may feel at first. I knew I had the ability to do whatever I want, as everybody watching and as everybody listening will know. You have every every opportunity and ability to do everything you want. Just learn how to apply that grind and pressure somewhere else. Absolutely. Yeah, that's definitely an, a very important lesson for people who just retired who might feel a little, little lost, little useless. You're not alone. No. You are not alone. No, Far sir. from it. And then when you're in that position, you're like, I'm the only person going through it. <laughs> oh, yeah. And like that, and that is, that's a massive thing. And it's hard to not have your mind like that because you're the only one that knows exactly how many hours you put into whatever you're doing. I could sit here and tell you that I produce every day, but until you come here and watch me do it, you won't fully understand the amount of time that I put in. And same with you. I'll never understand the amount of backstrokes or whatever you've done. And yeah, you know what I mean? As, as it's like, okay. like there's been so many times I bet you wish you're like, oh, this is stupid. I just want to stop. And now that you have to stop, it's like, what was I thinking? You yeah. know what I mean? It's hard to believe that you will find something that you love as much as what you know that you love already. You know what I mean? Oh, so, yeah. so that's kind of a big message. I definitely wanted to get out here is like anybody who's transitioning into something else, like, just keep trying stuff. You found something that worked for you for a long time, and there is something else that will work just as well. You just have to have the patience and kind of know that things aren't going to be, you're not going to be a world-class swimmer. And if I started swimming today, I wouldn't be as good as you. You know what I mean? So <laughs> right. So I'm just going to go uh, section by section here, and I'm going to start on football. Uh, you already answered the one question where uh, we talked about transitioning from passion to passion. But I know... Uh, because I've interviewed a couple athletes and I, I realized that a big reoccurring theme that I've seen uh, is pre-performance anxiety. So did you ever experience that on the field? And if so, what were some ways that you were able to com combat it? Wow, I can't talk today. And bring yourself into game <laughs> mode. Absolutely. Uh, so there is a few things. I know a lot of people will talk about eating uh, before sporting events. I'll be the first one to tell you I'm the worst person to talk to. When in high stress moments I don't eat a thing, bro. Um and not just terrible. I will be the first person to tell you that is not what you want to do. But it's just that feeling that you feel like you're gonna throw up because you're in a high intensity intensity situation. And it's easy not to eat because you think anything that I put in is gonna come out kind of thing. Uh and that's exactly what I thought. As I'm Growing now, I'm starting to learn that our body can tell us different things and we can feel things that aren't necessarily true. And that's kind of one thing that I started noticing is that when I would have these butterflies in my stomach, the anxiety of, am I going to make the play, whatever, you realize there's nothing you can do about it while you think about it. There's yeah. literally zero things you can do while you think about it. The only thing you can really do is get out there and do it. And that's kind of the mindset I apply to a lot of things. The longer you wait, the longer you think, the longer it's going to take you to do something or the more difficult it's going to be to do that. Music was a huge help for me. I always like to have my headphones on. Uh, it just kind of takes my mind, gives my mind something else to work with while I uh, ponder thoughts of, of what's going to happen in a game or uh, getting small meals in, not even a massive meal, just 
making sure your stomach has some sort of sustenance in it that you know you, you don't need to be full before you compete but your body does need that fuel and nourishment to, to be ready to go that's mean the honestly i'm a pretty bad person to ask because i'm pretty straightforward like i just hopped into games i was ready to go i would just not eat so please everyone eat um, <laughs> it's please. very important yeah please everyone eat something before they perform because your body does need it as much as you don't think it does uh, other than that, just get out there and do your thing, do your sport. Uh, it's what you do. It's kind of what I've always told myself. This is what I do. And the more I overthink it, the more I'm going to think I can't do it. But we can't. We're all <laughs> we put ourselves in situations to succeed always. So right. pregame anxiety—that's just a voice in your head. Essentially, man, that's not me belitt- belittling it at all. But that is it. And then in regard to acting, when I was younger, I used to be in like performances and musicals and stuff. And I remember that you know. The read-throughs and the rehearsals, they were always fine. Like, I was like, oh, I got it. But then there was something about getting on stage and seeing that big crowd for the first time. My anxiety just went through the roof, like, immediately. So did you ever experience that while performing? And if so, what were some ways that you helped yourself calm down in that situation? That's a great question, too. Wow. I find what helps me a lot when I'm on stage is... There's a few little hacks. Um, one thing is those lights that are on you are super bright. So if you look into them, you can't see anyone that's in the crowd. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's kind of like the cheater's way of doing it. Don't envision people have, are all in their underwear. You're going to laugh. Just you know, <laughs> imagine everyone's in their underwear. No, Never works. Work. <laughs> Never works. The way I see it, especially in acting, is I'm very much a person who loves high-intensity situations, high-risk, high-reward kind of thing. Um, I know when I'm performing in front of a crowd that is paid to see a show, I know they've only paid to see that show once. And it is my job to make sure that my face is remembered by each and every person so that every time they see me on stage, they can trust that they're going to have a good performance. That's kind of what I tell myself. I imagine what if I was the paying person? I wouldn't expect to see someone go above and beyond. I'm just here to see the show I paid for. People aren't expecting you to be the best in the world. And that is that is a huge reality is that people don't expect you to be the person that you expect yourself to be. So you just being who you are is exactly what the people are paying for. And they trust you because as soon as you start doing more, or less than that, you're doing something weird or you're not giving them the most authentic performance that you can give. And another thing is, we're all humans. Um, <laughs> and yeah. I'm, you'll probably hear me say that 8 million times throughout this. We are all humans. If I mess up, I mess up. Um, and majority of the time, if I mess up, people don't even realize it's a script. Like how They probably haven't read the script. or They don't know that I wasn't supposed to trip on my way over here or whatever. You, Life is about adapting, making mistakes and adapting. So if you do make this mistake, it's about how fast can you clean that up and how comfortable can you be going forward knowing that you made a mistake, but you still got a show to put on. You know what I mean? Like, it's not dwelling. That's my big thing. We get, if you get one shot to do just about everything in this life, don't dwell on it. You're going to get another shot if you mess up. Do better next time. What you have at that very moment is what you have to get. So that's that's that was kind of always my mindset to help me through and uh, – not imagine people wearing underwear. That's perfect, actually, because my next question, you just answered it, was like, what would you say to an actor or actress that kind of is hard on themselves after either forgetting a line on stage or even before they step on stage? I don't dwell on the successes either because that's that's when ego builds, and ego builds nothing but destruction, yeah. if you ask me. If you are so caught up about how well you did something, you won't do it as well the next time. 
in there. That's the facts. You get comfortable. Uh, that's something I pride myself on. I never want to feel comfortable in anything I do. Even when it comes to things like mental health, I never want to feel like I have my brain completely figured out. Because as soon as I think that, I know for a fact I don't have it figured out. Right. There's, there's nothing controllable in this life other than what we wear in the world. Like, yeah. the, there's nothing beyond that that we can control. So do your best. You mess up, you mess up. If you did a great job, sick, you can do better. That's kind of, that, that is another thing. That's one thing you can always do better in sports and in acting and producing, whatever. You can always do better and you can always do worse. So <laughs> give it what you can and, and try again next time. Yeah, perfect. You obviously have a passion for making music. Uh, and in a lot of research studies, it's kind of shown that music actually acts as a medium for processing emotions. And it's seen as a major calming agent for stuff like anxiety. So how for you personally, does music producing help your mental health? Uh, wow, Harry, these are good questions. I like this. <laughs> so yeah, I like that a lot. Um, so I'm going to start by saying music is very much a window into me. I can't make you a super heavy trap travis scott type b if i'm sad and i can't make you uh super sad xxx whoever you're listening to that's low peep style i can't make that if i'm in a happy mood and that's kind of my way of breathing and i kind of have this little acronym for art the way i kind of see art is this artistic representation of truth you can't fake what you make if i'm sad and i want to make something happy it's going to turn out sad <laughs> there's yeah. no way around if I start making something sad and and it turns out to be happy, well, chances are I'm having a good day. And it is, it's beautiful because without words, I can, I can send you a beat and you can feel what I'm going through. I don't even have to tell you how I'm feeling. You know what I mean? And I think as much as we were probably going to end up talking about the stigmas of mental health too, it's a beautiful way as a male who like a lot of times are frowned upon for having these issues, which is stupid yeah. is so dumb it's a good way for me to just be like hey look here you go this is this is what's going on with me you know what i mean and and i don't necessarily have to put that in words for you to understand but this is this is what's going with this is what's going on and this is this is my way of conveying it to you this is my representation of my truth right so it's incredible what music can do because it definitely from one person to another it, it connects us i don't even know like it's such a crazy thing like it's just sounds like it realistically it's just sounds but somehow we've like narrowed it down and like have figured the science out to such a point where we can just create emotion with sound it's, i don't know i don't even know no. i'm probably getting carried away but it's, it blows my mind as i try to explain it more and more i know i know exactly what you mean I, I actually thought about that recently because uh i forget what song i was listening to but it like snapped me into a good mood and i was like man these are just wavelengths like sound wavelengths and they're getting Dang. my mood all the way up how is that possible how? How? And like, and like, did the person know they were going to do this or was the person just happy and they wanted to make the song? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. There's no science behind it. Like, It's just people doing what they do and then it makes us feel a certain way. It's crazy. God, it doesn't make sense. That's a, yeah, I know. It's so weird. <laughs> I wish I could. I wish I could explain it, but I don't have that kind of background. <laughs> me neither. Me neither. And I do this every day. I don't know how this works. <laughs> yeah. Man, so what what is your most memorable experience in music, whether it be how someone used one of your instrumentals or how a track you made kind of impacted you? Musically, I will say what impacts me, and it, it's kind of like a continuous thing, is 
I'm a singular person. I'm very, I'm one person. And there's a lot of people that hit me up for music that either I haven't talked to before, or for some reason I have established that I won't talk to them ever, which is a terrible mindset, but I will admit to being as guilty of that as anybody else can. I think there's a unity behind it all that is like every every day that it happens, it becomes more and more unbelievable. Whenever someone random hits me up and is like, yo, this beat is like a hit, and maybe they're from Turkey, and they're a 14-year-old kid, and they, this is the exact beat they've been looking for their whole life. And I'm a 22-year-old kid that's sitting in his apartment in Cambridge, Ontario, that had no intention of it ever reaching Turkey. It blows your mind. And that's what, and I think that's, I'm going to come back to that whole unity thing, is that like we don't need to be beside each other. We don't need to know who each other are to understand that we're working together to create something and to create something beautiful and that. So just the process of creation and and the people you meet and the amount of knowledge you drink in just sitting with other people that are doing the exact same thing as you, it blows my mind every day. And it definitely is what makes this whole producing thing fun. It's it's incredible. Like even, even something as small as doing intros for people on their YouTube channels, you know what I mean? Like to me, it's like, here's a 45 second clip of something I made, but to you, this is this is the intro to your, to your project. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is just part of what's making your thing you. And like that blows my mind because to me, I was just like, I will tell you 100% the, the songs that I've sent you that you've been like, I love those. I've been like beats that I've stored away for years, like years. And you're like, oh, those are sick. And to me, I'm like, oh, well, I didn't think they were sick. I just made them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Oh. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. There's a, there's a beautiful thing about it. And it's just the appreciation you see from other people and, it's awesome. We're actually going to go back to unity in a bit, but in regard to the stigma that we were mentioning about mental health, I know a big fear of mine when I started to open up more about my mental health to friends and family was kind of wondering what their reception would be because in my head, like mental health was this thing that only crazy people had because the stigma kind of makes you believe that. Uh, so when you first decided to speak out about your mental health path, what was the reception like from your family and peers? I think the main reception and what made it harder for me and it's no one's fault is that I very much hold myself as a person that's untouchable and I, I see that in yourself as well we're very much people oriented people so kind of throws people off to see us act in ways that aren't upbeat and and party like and and whatever so at first I was like is everyone gonna think I'm faking you yeah. know what I mean is everyone gonna be like well Jordy you just turned up at our grade 11 dance and you're in your Titan break gear and you lit up the dance floor like how can you be going home and sad and thinking about killing yourself as, as grim as that seems, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And that built up in my head. And that was, that was kind of the reason that I was like, you know what? I'm not going to tell anyone because I am okay when people are around. So nobody's going to believe that I'm not when nobody's around. You know what I mean? Right. What kind of blew my mind is that like people started, and I, I don't know if you can speak on this too. People notice things about you a lot before you do a lot of people when i was like hey there's there's something more going on in my brain they're like yeah i know <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> like, you're like no you didn't because i didn't know you're like no i do like it is a lot more of a warm hug and embrace from a lot more people than you would expect because like you said once you get over the idea of it's not just a crazy person thing like it's actually the most human thing to have is some sort of thing that sets you apart in your brain. 
you notice that like more people will be willing to talk about it if you are just willing to be that first step going forward that's kind of how i saw things it was like it's not that people won't believe me if people won't believe me if i don't start talking about it yeah so that kind of was like my kickstarter and and as i started talking about it more and more people were willing to open up with me and slowly i kind of realized that there was a, a strong correlation between my the people who follow me and my friends i'm not gonna call them fans my friends and the mental health issues that we all go through and and once i let that wall down it allowed many people to let their wall down and i've made a lot of great friendships out of that and some friends that were friends before are now closer friends because we know that it's it's not all sunshine and rainbows all the time you know what i mean it's unrealistic to think that so yeah i'm like to anyone who is afraid of of reaching out and saying, hey, I think there is something wrong or not even something wrong, but there's something more going on to me than I'm willing to show. Even if it's as simple as reaching out to you or I in a DM, please talk to someone because I know you think you're going through something alone, but you're not. There's no way for me to say we go through the exact same thing, but the fact that we each go through something is enough for us to be able to talk. Yeah, man. That is probably my my two cents on that. I I hate that people feel alone because it is more inhuman to not have mental health issues than have. So yeah, that's 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 the look. I I'm the same way. I hate when people feel alone because I remember how that felt. The dark. worst feeling in the world. It's dark. I don't want people. Yeah, I don't want people to feel that way anymore. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. I was like, no, and that's, the, and that's the thing is that like, it, it's such a hard time in society to be open to because I'll be the first to admit, I have a dark sense of humor and there's a <laughs> yeah. lot of people that do. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, it's more frequent for someone to be like, oh, like, oh, if I don't, if I don't, if this girl doesn't text me back, I'm going to kill myself. You know what I mean? And like, it does make that issue seem a lot smaller. So people are like, oh, well, like people say that all the time. So if I say it, like they're probably going to think I'm joking. So I'll just keep it to myself. It's like, I see where you're coming from. And that's like, that is main, mainly the thing I want to get across. So like, I understand all the anxieties in everyone's head about why they don't want to speak up. But like the comfort that comes with speaking up and letting people know that like, Hey, yeah, I know you guys joke about this, but this is my reality. It opens people's eyes and it makes people, that's how we're going to make change in this world is, is letting people know that some of these jokes we make, as much as they're jokes to me or as much as they could be jokes to you, there are these people in the world that don't find that funny. You know what I mean? And, and they're very confused by the things we joke about because it's so real to them and they don't deserve to, <laughs> they don't deserve to feel like they're the only ones feeling that. No. Um, regardless of who's joking about it. So, so one question that I'm using as like the, the big question for season two of my show is kind of circled around hope. Uh, And when my man Asante last week came on the show, he mentioned his quote uh, that I love where he goes right now is a hard time, but it isn't a hopeless time. What are some ways that you can share with the viewers that you've been able to keep hope in times like this, where it seems almost impossible with everything going on? That's awesome. Uh, I like that quote a lot too. I think what's important is we only know what's happening right now we only know what's happened in the past the future is as uncertain as everything else but history does repeat itself if change doesn't occur you know what i mean so as long as as we are hopeful and open to adapting to new lifestyles new changes of minds just kind of like you said hope like hoping that better days are coming if we all hope for the same thing we all enact the same thing to create that change 
there's no way that this world won't change. Yeah. Um, especially right now with the amounts of, of racism that's occurring in the world and popping up all over the place. We know where we're at currently. And it's bad. It's a terrible place. We live in a horrible world. I'm gonna say, I'm getting that out of there now. But we need to know that. And we need to know that we haven't done enough. And that's coming from a black man that's affected as much as everybody else. And I can't think that I've done enough or else things are, aren't going to change. And that's kind of the mindset we all need to have is that like, if we are content with the way things are going right now, which I will tell you, and I know for a fact that you're not, and I don't like the world we live in, then we all need to agree that until racism is gone or any issues along the lines of that, until they are completely gone, that none of us are doing enough. And that goes to the people that have, haven't missed a, a, a Black Lives Matter protest or, or the people that are just retweeting stuff. There's no, there's no finite ending to support and awareness. There's, we can do more. <laughs> we right. can do more. It, it, it's, it's easy as people of color coming going on a podcast. Like you gave me this awesome opportunity to, to, to tell people this is how I want to see change. And if ten people learn what I want them to learn and spread that to their ten people, it's get, we're going to change. Yeah. But to say that like only certain people in the world, like oh, only America has racism. Like America's messed up. Canada's messed up too. You know what I mean? And I'm sure we'll probably go into that because I'd love to speak on the whole racial aspects of living in Canada and whatnot. But we all need to change <laughs> and we can be hopeful for that change, but we can't hope the change is going to come if we're not all doing our part. Yeah, that's another thing, too. Uh, I talked like last week about it. There's so many people I've had conversations with where they're like, what am I going to change? Like, what is my contribution going to do? And this doesn't really affect me. So why should I care? Like, bro, <laughs> uh, you're so lost. Like, you're so lost. And, like, the hardest part is, like, people like that, that mindset they have is so thick that, like, no words you can really say to them get through. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because to them, it's like, oh, the issue's only in the States. Why am I going to go rally in Kitchener? Well, there's probably issues around Kitchener that exist. You know what I mean? Like, right. There's like, uh, it's such a lazy mindset. That's what I hate. People just think the world's going to change the way they want it to, but they can just keep their hands out of the mess. I mean, you can't. There's no way. There's no way. Everyone's got to get messy right now. Yeah, let's all get messy. That's the message of this podcast. <laughs> let's get messy. What do you think the next steps should be for us to kind of achieve success with this movement? Because what a lot of people don't really seem to understand is that this whole thing going on is not a trend and it's going to take a lot more hard work and incredibly dedicated time to get that justice that's deserved. Absolutely. Um, the next step and it's hands down the most uncomfortable step and the longest step is calling out our friends. I will be the first person to tell you 99% of my friends. I have a lot of friends now. That's not a flex. But 99, 99% of my friends aren't as pro-Black Lives Matter as they want. And that comes down to something as small as sitting in a room, and this, this has happened to me thousands, thousands of times, sitting in a room and someone asks me, uh, hey, where are you from? From Cleveland, Ohio, born raised, or not raised, born. And they go, oh, how long have you been in Canada for? Oh, like, uh. Like 16 years, way longer than I was in the States. And then they go, oh, so, you, so you're Canadian. And it's like, 
well, like, no. <laughs> and they're like, well, you didn't even live in the States. And by the way, like, the States is a bad place. And then like, I'm defending myself and just saying, well, yeah, it doesn't, I have an American passport. Like, I have melanin in my skin. I'm not from Canada. Like, <laughs> no one from Canada is from Canada, by the way. Let's get that through our heads, unless you're a Native American. So, and, and just sitting in that room and having to, to fight that argument by myself. It's like, why is this, why are we so uncomfortable to stand up for something if we all want to retweet it and put it on our stories? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you can't talk the talk and not walk the walk anymore. That's, 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 that's kind of my, my look on it. It's that, if you are if you're one of these people that are doing the blackout tuesday post which i have no problem with we'll go into that a little bit later but if that's you then that's posting that black square then yes i'm holding you accountable from now on yeah I, <laughs> if i if i sit in a room and you and someone speaks out of line and i speak up for myself and you sit there quiet with your arms crossed and i don't care about your blackout tuesday post you know what i mean like that's the step is walking the walk. It comes down to thinking about things that we say in ourselves. I've been told that like, oh, you're not even black, you're brown. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, 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 like you don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, okay, well, I am who I am. <laughs> oh, shit. I guess I am brown. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, actually, you know what? You're right. Let me just change that in my Instagram bio. Brown male. You know what I mean? Oh like, what does that, what do you, like, do you want me to be closer to white than I am? You know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, if that's, if that's the case, why does it matter? <laughs> <laughs> but there you go. That's the thick mindsets again. It's like the people, there's people that will watch this podcast and sit there and think that I said that. Like, that they know they have said that to a person before and be like, yeah, but it's different. That's my friend. Like, no, like, stop giving yourself that pass. Like, stop saying the N word around your friends because they're black. You know, yeah, <laughs> we could go into that one oh too. Oh, God. What a benefit to be able to say that word. Like, man, pe- <laughs> people who like, they're like, please just let me say it. Let me say it. It's like, why? <laughs> why? Look at, no, here's the worst one. You'd be sitting in a classroom and they, like the teacher's reading like a civil rights movement book. A black person gets called the n-word and everybody turns in class and stares at me like are you gonna fight the teacher quick like are, what are you gonna do about that and it's like bro like, that is like that is so, like don't turn and look at the only black person in the room man <laughs> they, did, they did that in like to kill a mockingbird when we were reading it everyone was like bro did you hear that did you hear what you just called me? and it's like man like i get it like it's worse for you to associate that word with me than for her to say that a friend i like one of my really good friends we were talking about like when we were growing up like low-key racism that happened and that no one really talked about and he mentioned one instance where every time we would have a black substitute teacher kids would go and be like oh is that your mom or dad that all the time bro what good thing to say no are you related to them like what it's horrible but it's so stupid like that's why it's so hard to even be serious like to tell people not to do it because it is such an obvious thing to not do like it is so like you literally just have to be an alien to not understand that you don't need imagine if roles reverse if i walked up to Every white person I met and said, are you guys related? I would probably say that phrase a few times before I die. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and nobody would be like, yeah, no, we're not related. Why are you saying that? Com- <laughs> completely different places. 
I don't know this guy. <laughs> Literally, this is no. I've never met him in my life. So right. it's just, it's weird. And like, that's that's some of the issues that just need to go, and they just can't they can't be accepted anymore. And I had a friend message me last night because I was kind of going on a tangent about race and how people like to say same thing that oh you're not American, you're Canadian, you've lived here longer. It's like you sound so dumb. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like it's it's bad that I even have to tell you that you sound dumb because when I say that you're gonna be more offended that I called you dumb than I should be offended about what you said, kind of thing. Yeah. So we're not ever gonna get to a point where we agree on this, but you just sound stupid. I don't want to tell you how to insult people that are racist, but you do need to let people know that. Listen, your opinion is stupid. Like yeah. everyone has the right to an opinion, but when it's a hateful opinion, they don't. I don't care who you are. I I hate people in in my own life. I will admit that, but I don't expect anybody else to hate them, and I don't expect those people to ever feel like I hate them. Like it doesn't matter. Like that is a personal thing that I have in my head that no one needs to share with me because that's that's negative, and it's like it's hateful for me to think that way. So why would I want everybody else to think? You know what I mean? I, I've said it before and I'll say it like a trillion times while we're going through everything. Like I don't get racism at all. And I don't get why it's such a debate that we should have equal rights for everybody. I'll never understand that. Uh, last week I kind of spent the whole week protesting or two weeks ago or whatever. And I'm standing there with signs above my head and I'm screaming at the top of my lungs, Black Lives Matter. And it, it's to the point where I'm like, why am I even shouting this? You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. why am I surrounded by thousands of other people that feel the same way, screaming something so obvious? You know what I mean? No, I know. But it's the world we live in, and it, until it changes, that's what we're gonna have to do because there's people that aren't willing to do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And those people still think they're not racist; they just have better things to do. Well, guess what? People that look like me are dying in the streets because people that look like you think you have better things to do than be at a rally. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Man, saying you have better things to do is so selfish. Oh, it's like, man, like, you wouldn't, uh, like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a person that thinks before they speak, so, like, like, as most people should and most people do. So to even, like, hear people say, like, yeah, like, I wanted to be there, but I had to work. I'm calling those people out. I'm sorry. And I'm sure that all my friends that are watching this that said that to me are going to be mad at me. But you can take off a day of work. To say I wanted to go, but means you didn't want to go. I'm sorry. I'm calling them out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, you, you wanted to go because I was talking about going and how important it is to go. But you wanted to go make 60 bucks for a day of work, which isn't an issue. But... Just don't false claim. You know what I mean? Don't don't say this is what you want to do and not do it. It's just, it's stupid. Yeah, <laughs> it's stupid. right. If I'm getting this right, I think I am. You were at three protests recently for the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, yes, sir. Cambridge, Guelph, and Kitchener, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So for me, when I went to both the Guelph and the Oshawa protests, I found it like incredibly like powerful and like really moving because frankly it made the future seem a little more promising seeing all those people there but when i turn on the tv or i go on the internet all i ever see are media outlets pumping out fear like focusing solely on the looting and the lighting building is on fire and the physical altercations and all of that but what, from what i've heard from a lot of my friends from both us and canada the majority of protests have been positive and powerful experiences 
So what would you say to those who kind of solely focus on the media and believe that what is going on is simply just some thugs finding an excuse to burn shit to the ground? That's a, yeah, yeah. And I'm glad we're going there because it is so true. We're going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to compare this to the police and maybe people will see the comparison and maybe not. I know that there's good cops in the world. I do know that. But unfortunately, the media only shows me bad cops. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's no, I don't see the video of the cop that saved the cat from a tree for a little girl. You know what I mean? Like, I don't see the cop that walked the old woman across the street. I see the cop that shot someone for, for having mounted in their skin. I see the man who knelt on George Floyd's neck. I'm not even going to say his name. He doesn't deserve recognition. No. Take that, take that same energy to protesting. If, if you generally think every person that's protesting is out there to break or loot things, and you're not looking at the right things. You're doing exactly what the media wants you to do. Oh, here we go. I'm the biggest media skeptic ever. The media is designed to make us hate each other or to be afraid of each other. And we can take that from race to this whole COVID-19 issue. I've never been more stressed out walking in a grocery store in my life. Man. Oh, I, I it makes can't. me want to throw up being in a grocery store. Speaking about mental health issues, holy, do I feel like I'm dying in a grocery store. Yeah. But... Realism, realism of it is that like if you don't watch everything on the news about COVID nineteen, you realize that it's it's generally a flu. Like, and I'm not belittling it. It is very lethal. I'm not gonna. It's it is. We need to take the same repercussions that we take to not spread the flu. If you are watching more than that, or or, or caring to feed in more than that from the media, you are going to be paralyzed from your house. Yeah. Um, and that is the same as a rally. I had a lot of people text me, yo, do you think these rallies are going to get violent? Uh, I'm seeing a lot of stuff. And uh, like, I, mean, I just want to make sure I'm, I'm going to be at the right place. You think there's going to be right here and stuff? And if, if anybody is going to the protest thinking that there's going to be people rioting, A, they're either not going to go, or B, they're the people that want to start the riot. Everybody else that's there is there for a purpose. Violence isn't getting us anywhere. Black people dying isn't getting us farther in the legal system. That's the exact same thing. We can't go to a protest and light the city on fire and expect change. But we can go to a city and light a city on fire if the government's not listening. And that's kind of the contrast I see is that like there are people that are looting and doing all that because it's their way of saying to the big corporations, a big F you and this is our land and you're kind of, you're taken from us now. But a lot of those people that are, you're seeing looting are have, have literally in the mindset of, I need to go and destroy something because that's what I think rioting and looting is. And I, I don't have any reason other than to steal some stuff and to break some stuff because it makes me feel cool to be at these protests. Those people don't care about change. They just, they like anarchy. I don't want to see anarchy. <laughs> you know no. what I mean? I, I'm good. Like, I like <laughs> being safe. Like, I'm down for that. And so when I go to protest, I go to, to share a message and spread a message. I don't go to start any issues. And most people think like that. So when there are these people that break out, break things, they are officially the minority of the protests, and those people are more frowned upon than the protesters. The media, though, doesn't, it's not, there's nothing exciting about just watching people march in the street. It is to, to us, but for the media, it's like, yeah, but there are people dying, so they should see that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So to anyone that is watching the media and gaining any ideas of how these movements are going, just go. <laughs> just go yeah. see what's actually happening. We need to stay peaceful until change occurs. And if it comes down to that time where we need to riot, then we riot. But until then, we got to 
get our message across as safely and legally as possible. Yeah. Like I said, everyone has the right to their opinion. Media is the government's way of saying this is the opinion you need to have. Since there are people like you and I behind media, there are going to be opinions that are spread, but they just have the biggest voice. So if they say, hey, jump, we have to ask how high because they're the ones that are asking everyone in the world to jump. To anybody that is on social media being horrified of by CNN or anything, please unfollow them. It is so unhealthy. Social media doesn't need to be your news outlet. My social media is tailored to music and art because when I go on my social media, I have no desire to leave it a more upset person than when I first got on there. It just doesn't make sense. With everything going on, like mental health needs to be a top priority because I, 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 I'm guilty of it too. I scroll through social media and I come out and I'm, more upset or more angry than I was before. And you get into like this deadly loop for days of just like, you lose motivation for anything. Cause you're like, man, what's the point? The world sucks. It's so tough. That is the best way to put it, man. And it sucks that it's, it's generally out of your control because you could just have that one friend that sees things different from you. So they think, Oh, I need to share this video of COVID deaths or I need to blah, blah, blah. And you weren't even expecting to see that on your timeline, but you're just going through stories. Next thing your brain's saying, holy, how many other people have died from COVID? Hop on Google, blah, 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 blah. It's a, it's a trap. It, it is a trap, man. We got to stop sharing traps. And that's one of these things that I always say to people is that if you read something and your immediate reaction is, wow, that was terrible. I wish I didn't know that. Why the hell are you sharing it to other people? (laughs) (laughs) And it seems so easy. Like when I put it like that, it's just like, oh yeah, I didn't feel good after it. So why do I need to share it? And then people start saying, oh, well, people need to know what's going on. Yes, I get it. But there are better ways to do it. Like, and we don't need to know everything that goes on. If we knew everything that went on in this world, we would all be terrible people. Another huge question that I'm trying to ask in these episodes, because there's a lot of debate and, uh, I think we mentioned it before, and I've had too many conversations of people trying to prove me wrong on this topic. What would you say to people who are firm believers that Canada is not racist? Oh, oh, oh. Oh. Then you are racist. <laughs> <laughs> to be that ignorant and to think that there's just a border where words and actions stop you're dumb. like, for example, I'm from the States. I live in Canada. I don't have racist ideas, but someone from the States that moves to Canada could come with racist ideas and vice versa. Like, thoughts don't just stop traveling at a certain point. Like, you pass the border, it's all gone. <laughs> like, whoa, I actually love everyone. Like, no, man. <laughs> like, no. And, Without going too into it, maybe we're not as bad. Or not, I'm not even going to say as bad. Maybe we don't learn about it as much. And also, we live in Canada, so no one wants to tell anybody bad things that happened in Canada. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. that's what I've had to tell this to a lot of people is that we watch American news from Canada. So as people that consume media, they're trying to divide us. <laughs> they want us to think, this is what happens in the States. It doesn't happen in Canada. Therefore, it, the States is bad. It's not it. It's it's not it. It's just that we have a media vacuum. So bad things that happen in Canada 
go through the vacuum and all the things that are good don't go through the vacuum so we can see it. You know what I mean? Right. If you were to take two seconds and just look around you or just think about the words we say or, or anything like that, like there's like racism is a thing here. It is a thing here. And it, it comes down to imitating people's accents. It comes down to just like, like the stupid comments about you're not even fully black or it was like it's stupid like can i touch your hair you, oh my god no <laughs> you can't like oh can i touch your hair i pinch your cheeks i like i don't like it just makes like how can you not think that's racist like you're literally making us feel like we are people at a petting zoo or you know like this is Jordy, and then I start speaking in a well-educated way because my—that's the lifestyle I was given. And people are like, "Oh, you don't even sound black." It's like, man, that like, what the <laughs> hell? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? like, how can you be that ignorant? Wow, you're whitewashed. What? Yeah. <laughs> oh, seriously, seriously. He's like, "Oh, you, you don't even act black." It's like, well, sorry, I don't fit the code, man. Like, I'm sorry that my ancestors were oppressed into not even having education and they had to teach themselves how to speak. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just taking a step back from what we know and think is okay and realizing that we think that's okay because our ancestors thought it was okay. And there's just too many people that aren't willing to say, Hey dad, you're have some racist ideas that you spread on to me. So I have to call it here because I'm realizing it and you're not, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that, those are the conversations we need to have. And that's, that is how we will get rid of racism in Canada. Cause I will tell you that is the biggest issue is that we just aren't willing to learn from our mistakes. Oh, oh you don't sound black. That is just, Oh, <laughs> some people. And like, and like I said, this is just like something that sounds so stupid. And there's going to be so many people that are, what people say that to you yeah and they're probably your friends like yeah that's the reality you know what i mean so huh, it's it's here racism is here <laughs> there's no doubt in my mind. right so now i was gonna i have a couple rapid fire questions they're not really related but i was yeah. gonna ask them to everyone from season one to kind of hype up this season but i never got the chance because with everything going on so i'm taking these questions and asking everyone on season two perfect so, on that note, being an experienced music producer, you obviously have your personal favorites and inspirations for your work. So, on that note, who are your top five singers, rappers, or musicians, dead or alive? You know I hate this question, too. <laughs> you know I hate this. Oh, okay, let's see. Um, Kid Cudi, number one on my list. Uh, the first person that ever spoke to me and told me that it's okay to not be okay. Uh, he didn't tell me that personally, but man, he called you part up. one. Yeah, he called me up. We're both from Cleveland, and we're probably both related. So, uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, Kid Cudi is definitely up there for me, uh, and not only in his ability to express his mental health issues, um, just his ability to create a completely intricate sound uh, blows my mind. The guy has like seven different genres on three different albums. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah, Lil Peep, I'll put up there as well. I feel like he's the father of the misfits of this generation. A lot of people can't connect with him. A lot of people think his music's stupid. Um, but this is, he was kind of the foreground for these juice worlds and everything else that's coming out now because he was the first person to say, like, I want to be in this rap game, but I'm done talking about flexing about girls and money. And I'm going to talk about drugs, but you're going to hear it in a totally different way. You're going to hear about 
how I take these drugs to put me to sleep and how I take these drugs to, to, to live a human life. Uh, definitely, I definitely love that aspect. Joey Badass is up there. Um, I think he's probably the dopest MCOE you'll ever see. I don't even have like much deep love for him. Like It's just like his music is so good. I just can't stop listening to it. I definitely like the Blink-182s, that kind of sound. Uh, those... Those guys like to have fun. Like, the punk rock music era, that is, like, the most, like, as horrible. Like, I can't even put this, like, like fuck you, I'm me. Like, yeah. <laughs> that, is, that is, like, the genre that does it best. It's, it's I'm going to skateboard, and I'm going to spike my hair, and I'm going to I'm gonna talk about this girl I fell in love with at a rock show, and she doesn't even like me back when I have this song about her, so I'm going to drop it, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not angst. Oh, oh, I should have said this way earlier. Matt Miller, hands down. Mm. Um, Mark Miller, God rest his soul, and Pete Soul. Um, that guy broke down a wall for for white rappers, and and people don't understand that. Um, nobody cared about the white rapper if it wasn't white, M- if it wasn't Eminem uh, yeah. prior to Max Miller. And Max Miller, I think if you watch his discography, you watched his evolution as a human. Which is so sad to see him go out the way he did. Alright, so second one. For me, my two favorite guilty pleasure comfort foods are obviously pizza and chicken wings. On that note for you, is it pizza or chicken wings that takes the crown? And I have a follow-up question for either one. Ooh, pizza or chicken wings. Okay, here we go. I hate to be that guy that answers on the fence, but if I got 30 bucks in my pocket, I'm getting pizza. If I got 60 bucks in my pocket, I'm getting four pounds of wings. You know what I mean? Hell yeah. It, it, it comes down to how hungry I am and how much money I have to put into it because if you don't have much money, you're not going to be full off wings, which sucks because yeah. they're so good, but you're not going to be as satisfied eating pizza. So that being said, I'm going to have to say wings take care. Nice. Okay, so when you order chicken wings, do you prefer yeah. wings or drumsticks? And what sauce is your go-to? Okay, here we go. Back being on the fence, you know, so I do. Um, drumsticks are nice because it's it's an easy one-bite attack kind of thing. Yep. Wing, like the flats, you just have to be down to get a little messy like we said earlier. Here we go. This I'll put it. If I'm on a date, I want drumsticks. If I'm with the boys, I want flats. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you don't care getting messy with the boys, man. Never, never. Sometimes hot sauce can be so disappointing. Yeah, that's because I am a hot sauce lover, but there are days where you're just like you get the hot and it feels like someone put ketchup on your wings. And <laughs> okay, yes, yeah, I get that. <laughs> so, so, so sometimes hot doesn't work. But I will say, when I go out, if any place offers like. Frank's Red Hot and Honey Garlic on the same wing. Ooh. That's my go-to. They, they call it Fire and Ice at Chuck's. I don't know what else they call it anywhere else. But I'm definitely down for that blend of sweet and spice. Top three, but if you don't have a top three, you can pick just one. Uh, shows or movies that are getting you through quarantine right now? Uh, I'm re-watching Hannibal. Um, that show blows my mind. Uh, super dark. If you're not into watching people get mutilated, don't watch it. Um, it just keeps my demons at bay, I think, by watching it. We're going to go a little bit off of like Netflix. If anybody's kind of looking more into like what I like to watch as a producer, uh, The Cave is sick. It's on YouTube. Uh, just follows a producer and pretty much his process when he has random rappers come through. He makes a beat in 10 minutes. They freestyle on it. They just oh, record the whole thing. That's cool. Super, 
Super good. This kind of gives you a little glimpse into the life I try to live. So that's two. Oh, Joker. Always Joker. Like, I could watch Joker every day of the week. Like, as an actor, that that's the show that I think, or the movie that, as an actor, like, that inspires me to keep going because uh, Joaquin Phoenix puts on such a incredible performance. Uh, and it's such a beautiful look at how mental health is stigmatized and people that want help don't get it because people are too quick to make assumptions and how sometimes and i know it makes a lot of people uncomfortable sometimes we are the reason that people go crazy you know what i mean like they are not necessarily us but the environment we create as humans is the reason it's not these issues that are in our head it's the fact that other people can't accept them so yeah. Great film, great film. That's my top three. I'm gonna kill all day. So first thing you're gonna do when quarantine gets lifted? Oh, I'm gonna have to hit sushi. I have to hit sushi. Because nice. I'm telling you, I love sushi, but I cannot like, I will not be full full off of takeout. Like, it doesn't make sense. I need to put down that thirty dollars, and I need them to know that I'm here to do damage, and then I'm leaving after. I can't put down thirty dollars and be full if it's getting delivered to my house. So I gotta do that. I miss it. Love it. Nice. And then finally, if there's a viewer watching this who's going through a situation that was similar to the one you've experienced, or just someone struggling with their own demons, or even someone struggling with the current events going on, what is something that you would want them to hear? We are all responsible for living the life we want to live and creating the world that we want to create. So if you are a person that is going through some, some things, I personally promise you that there is at minimum probably 300 other people that are going through very similar situations, not exactly similar, but very similar situations to you and that feel that they can't say anything or that they're overwhelmed. And it just takes one of you to, to say something for the other 300 to say, hey, I'm not alone either. Uh, the way I kind of view life and what we go through is that, like, we are all alone because we all live in separate worlds and separate lives. But realistically, we're all connected through trauma and through grief. Uh, and we're, we're connected through good times and, and all the other positive things in life as well. But we, it's, easier, it's easier to feel connected through different things. But it's deeper to feel connected through the bad. So just just as much as it's hard, let somebody know that you're going through something, anyone, and just let them let them hear you. Don't don't expect anyone to want to change you. Don't expect that people are out there to fix you. People generally care for you. Um, as crazy as it seems, as we watch all these people die in the news, there are people in this world that care for you. If you are watching the news, please turn it off. Find these people in your neighborhood, your community, and get help for yourself because it's not embarrassing, man. And, like, go to a therapist if that's what you think you need because I've been, and I'm sure you've been, and, and many of my friends have gone. I, I've been the person that have talked my friends into going into therapy because it is it is nothing to be ashamed of. And there's a lot of things in life that we don't understand, and sometimes those things happen in our brains. So if we can do anything to help ourselves or help each other figure these things out, then we're all going to be in a better place. And that's how we start changing the world. Wise words from Jordy, man. Thank you so much for joining me today. Bro, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for this opportunity. For all my guests at the end of the interview, I kind of give like 30 seconds to uh, give them like a shameless plug. So if you got anything going on in your life that you want viewers to know, now is your chance. 
Well, I don't have anything going on, but I'd like to. So that's what I'm going to say at 4L, at 4, the number, R-E-L-L-L underscore. Um, I want to work with you. I want to work with everyone that's watching this, and I want to connect with you. I am not a, I'm not a figure. I'm not an entity. I'm a human being, and so are you. So if, if something I've said has touched you or if something I said may have struck the wrong chord with you, let's talk about it. Like, I'm here to, to listen and to be as humane and, and to work and to create this exact world that I, you and I have been talking about this whole time. And this is my steps to that. So like I said, I don't know if you can animate my at on there. And it doesn't really matter if you can't. Like, um, <laughs> but yeah, if you guys are interested or fascinated by what I do or what I have to say, please, please get in contact with me because I'm very excited to see where this takes me and where this takes you. Love it. And with that, we are done. To all my viewers, I will see you guys next time. Appreciate you. Thank you, Harry. Thank you for watching another episode of The H Panel. I really appreciate you guys. For more episodes of The H Panel, click this button right here. And if you want to subscribe for more videos from myself, subscribe is right down below. Thanks, guys.